You're listening to Lozano Smith's podcast, where we discuss important changes in the law and legal decisions that affect public agencies. Hello, and welcome to another Lozano Smith podcast. I'm your host today, Sloan Simmons, partner out of Lozano Smith's Sacramento office. Um, this is another of our crash course and, and brief podcasts relating directly to the COVID-19 public health pandemic and in particular its impacts on California's schools. We are recording this podcast today uh, after a revised guidance from the California Department of Public Health, Governor Newsom's July 17th press conference, followed by California State Superintendent of Public Instruction, Tony Thurman's press conference on Monday, July 20th. Um, This week we're covering a range of topics from special ed to student issues in general, and this podcast we are going to cover the specific subject of sports and in particular that uh, in relation to the California Interscholastic Federation and CIF. And I am lucky to be joined today by two of our fabulous attorneys. One, Ruth Mendick, partner out of our Fresno office, student practice group leader at Jack of All Trades from General Board Governance to Facilities and Business to Student Issues, as well as one of our fantastic new additions to the Lozano Smith family and team, Chelsea Olson-Murphy, Senior Counsel, also a jack-of-all-trades from Labor and Employment, General Governance, Student Issues, Investigations, um, having recently joined us, and an expert with with experience directly on point when it comes to student CIF and the issues that arise for school districts in California. Ruth, Chelsea, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having us, Sloan. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. So, Ruth, why don't we start with CIF's recent guidance, which also came out, I believe, on Monday the 20th, as it pertains to the CIF traditional season of sport. Yeah, um, after much uh, waiting and anticipation, the CIF came out with its uh, press statement on Monday the 20th regarding a couple things about interscholastic sports for the 2021 school year. And there were two main things that they covered in, in the press release. One was they modified the season of sport for um, high school sports. And the second was they altered the calendar for those sports. Mainly, uh, as we know, traditionally, there's been three season of sports, the fall, which is run from August through November, winter, which is run from November through February, and the spring season of sport, which runs from February through June. Now, for this year, going forward, we're going to have just two seasons of sport instead, and that's just going to be the fall and the spring seasons. And in order to accommodate all the sports that were traditionally divided into three, they've had to move some of the fall and winter sports later and then also move one spring sport to the fall. So for this year, girls' golf and Girls tennis, which has traditionally been a fall sport, are now going to be spring sports. And the winter sports of basketball, wrestling, and soccer are now going to be spring sports. Volleyball, which has traditionally been a spring sport, is now going to become a fall sport. So those athletes that are doing more than one uh, sport are going to may, may have to choose, which is the downside of having just the two seasons instead of the three. Well, quick question on that subject. And I could see where, obviously, you know, two different schedules, two different practice regimens. Has CIF adjusted its rules at all, permitting 
if able, a student to participate in two simultaneous sports? I don't know that they've addressed that specifically, but they have allowed, they did say now that students are going to be allowed to participate in like competition sports during the school season. So in that respect, if you had uh, kids that were on a travel team or on a club team, they would be allowed now, I think, in this year coming forward to participate in both the club and the school sport at the same time, whereas traditionally that hasn't been allowed. So there has been some adjustment made in that respect. Yeah, it raises some interesting thoughts for me, especially for, say, smaller school districts. If you're a large urban district, you're going to have an adequate number of players to cover all sports probably with ease. And so if a student is compelled to choose between playing, you know, football and not basketball or vice versa, um, you're still going to fill your, for your teams. But when you've got football teams that are so large in number, um, and if you're a smaller district, it's very frequent, right, for students to be playing both of those in different seasons. And so I, I'd be interested to know if, if CIF is going to permit any flexibility in that respect because it could impact smaller districts' ability to field teams, at least full full rosters. Absolutely. Now, what's this, the, Ruth, the December 2020 date and its interaction with what has traditionally been known as the summer period? So the um, the date for the kind of start of the what has traditionally what they're calling the fall sports is now going to be in December is what they're anticipating. What the state CIF did was set the dates for the state championships and for deadlines for the regional competitions to the section playoffs to to be completed. The state CIF did not specifically set the timelines for the seasons of sport individually. They left that up to the sections, each section to do. But the state press conference did indicate that they expected that most sections would start their seasons in December um, in order to have time to be prepared for those uh, section playoffs and the state championships near the end of the year or the end of the season. Now, Chelsea, with these adjustments in schedule, obviously connected directly to the dramatic spike in infection in California over the past month or so, uh, corresponding with a direction from the governor as to distance learning around the state based on state uh, metrics. Uh, is there, I mean, I assume that there's still the possibility that we could reach the fall or December and we might see this bump again. I don't think anybody wants it, but that, that circumstance could arise. Yeah, I mean, I think that that is certainly possible. You know, as we've seen all of the guidance, you know, from CIF to the state to the California Department of Public Health just continuously changes. So what we're telling you is this is how we see it now, but obviously an increased spike would further change things. Chelsea, Ruth mentioned the concept of more flexibility as to outside competitions. I wonder if you could speak more to that and and also – to the extent student-athletes around California would normally, you know, especially if they're in their junior or senior years, be those who want to hopefully play sports in college, would be relying upon those final years of their high school athletic tenure to, to hopefully get eyes on them in terms of recruiting. I wonder if you could speak to the outside competition flexibility and how that might interact with students who are looking for other avenues to showcase their talent with hopes of being 
catching the eye of a of a scout at the community college or college level? Yeah, sure. So um, as Ruth mentioned, another interesting thing that CIF did was they suspended all of its their bylaws related to participation on outside teams. So generally, the CIF bylaws, with just a few exceptions, provide that a student on a high school team becomes ineligible if that student competes in a contest on a what they refer to as an outside team in the same sport during the student's high school season of sports. So what that means is if an athlete plays in a competitive game, like for his or her club soccer team during the high school season, um, she would generally become ineligible for the high school team. But because of all these changes that Ruth was mentioning and the seasons are going to be moved to these non-traditional times of the year, CIF is temporarily suspending all of these bylaws. So like you were mentioning, um, these student athletes that want to be seen will still be allowed to participate on their outside teams while at the same time they participate on their high school team. Uh, it seems like the irony that exists there is, is and, and I get the, the rationale for the change, makes a ton of sense. It's still a bit conditioned upon the hope that some of those outside competitions are going to be able to freely move forward and not so clear that, that uh, the present state guidance or that which we might see in the coming weeks might also put some restrictions on the, those outside activities, which are in some ways parallel to or, or based on the same concerns driving CAS position. Right. I think that that's exactly the case. I mean, at this point, you know, it's sort of hard to envision that some of these big, you know, statewide competitions and tournaments would move forward. But I think the hope is that at some point we'll get there and these bylaws sort of address that possibility. Um, what about uh, the the physical examination requirement, Chelsea, that's required each year for CIF participation? Right. So when CIF issued its initial guidance regarding COVID-19 back in June, it provided an option for districts to waive the requirement that athletes obtain a physical exam prior to any participation in sports for a 30-day period. So this is that idea that, you know, you always have to get a physical exam before you participate in any sports in any capacity. So the idea behind this is that there was some concern that students would have a difficult time obtaining these examinations. You know, we were envisioning all these long lines at doctor's offices, people being concerned to go get exams. However, you know, since then we've had this delay and in a lot of places, there's been a delay in even practicing. So districts will really need to decide whether it's worth it to waive this requirement. Because really, it only waives the um, physical exam requirement for 30 days. And at this point, it's only allowed for participation in fall sports. I know a different subject um, as various schools and school districts over the past month have revved up for some degree of activities uh, leading into the fall sports season with the hopes that it would commence timely. My sense is that we have a lot of clients who have been working on waivers and notices for students and their families to kind of acknowledge the risk that exists and the voluntary nature of participation in those activities. Would you two confirm that, that that's an activity and a, and a practice that is a good one and one which you've seen uh, a growing uh, increase around the state as, as districts try to grapple with uh, athletic activities and or extracurriculars uh, with the COVID-19 umbrella? That is something we're seeing a lot of, and I think it does specifically relate to this physical exam waiver as well. 
And one thing I didn't mention is that if districts do decide to waive the physical exam, it's a decision that has to be made by the governing board. So that would have to be done at an agendized meeting and, you know, actually be an action taken by the board. And then the district would need to make sure that the student meets all the requirements and has submitted all of the appropriate paperwork. And part of that paperwork is what you were just talking about. Um, They would need to submit a waiver and release of liability form, as well as a health screening form. And I think a lot of districts are using this waiver and release of liability form across the board, regardless of whether they're using that um, physical exam waiver. Same experience for you, Ruth? Yes. um, Districts are using, in addition to kind of the standard, you know, waiver of liability for participating in the sports document, they've also added another layer, which is, you know, waiver related to COVID illnesses, which is helpful, um, but I would just caution districts to remember, like, it's still, they still must, uh, you know, follow the standards of their county or their local health agency to to adhere to those requirements for social distancing and masks if required and whatever disinfection is, you know, being required of that. So it's, it's a good step, but it's not a, um, a path for not having to follow all the other rules that are in place. Chelsea, I want to ask you about some of the employment-related aspects of this, including uh, coaches and, you know, the stipends that they would normally receive. But before I do that, uh, Ruth, we're obviously talking at this point about the, the guidelines issued by CIF and its positions, the impacts on sports for our uh, K-8 districts and our unified districts that operate sports programs below the high school level, which CIF's jurisdiction ends at. Are you seeing and is your expectation for districts to generally follow an approach that aligns with the CIF structure uh, for those athletic activities taking place? at the 8th grade, 7th grade, 6th grade levels? Yes, I would expect that they would follow along with what the what the high school standards are going to be um, set by not only the state CIF, but whatever your local section is. And, you know, as you're, as you're speaking about the younger kids, I think it's important, too, to also note that CIF has extended, you know, some of those rules that usually apply during the summer period in terms of, like, transfer eligibility and pre-enrollment contact and all that kind of stuff that may, you know, may affect those kids before ninth grade. Those are extended now during this summer period. So that's something also to be mindful of, especially for your, you know, seventh and eighth grade kids. That's interesting. If you're a student who, you know, is involved, heavily involved in athletics and you're in an area of the state perhaps, which is Uh, by local public health guidance in a more of a lockdown situation to the extent there might be flexibility as to athletics, depending on where you are in the state, what section, what county. It raises an interesting question whether or not you'll have students who are heavily committed to an interest in athletics potentially considering a move so that they can actually do sports as opposed to where they they presently reside if if it's in a, a, a real lockdown type situation. Chelsea, so uh, what are some of the issue spotting that school districts should be thinking about relative to coaches in light of the CIF uh, calendar changes? Yeah, you know, I think that there's a lot of issues. I think the first main issue is that when you're moving forward with athletics, you really need to make sure that your coaches are trained up on all of these requirements. Um, Most of the plans that I've seen have required health screening be done 
And so the coaches are going to need to, you know, physically assess each of the students. And, I, you know, that's basically you're just looking at them for any signs of illness. Um, asking them questions about, you know, whether they've had a fever in the last 24 hours, whether there's any been any coughing or that whether they've been exposed to COVID-19. They're also going to be having to do a self-assessment for, you know, themselves each and every day. And then I think they're going to be needed tracking those things as well. As far as other coaching issues, you know, we've had a lot of questions about, okay, what about paying coaches? What about coaches who aren't actually coaching? And really a lot of this is going to go back to the collective bargaining agreement and how we, you know, look at stipends within those agreements. A lot of collective bargaining agreements don't require stipends to be paid on a specific day or specific pay schedule, or they include language that says things like seasons are defined by the district. So probably you'll be able to, you know, delay the payment of stipends until the season of sport actually occurs. But you're going to want to consult your own uh, bargaining agreement in that language to sort of see how it applies to this particular circumstance. If your district hires walk-on coaches, it's going to need to decide, you know, when those coaches should be hired, explain to them the changes in season, uh, make sure that all of those folks are being trained in all of the COVID-19 related practices as well, as well as any potential impacts to the stipend that, you know, potentially would happen because of the shortened season. Uh, before we raise a final issue, which is one which I think probably a lot of our listeners are tuning in to hear and they'll be disappointed that we, we don't necessarily have a clear answer on, that all of this is making me also think of as you see the adjustment of the calendar and the moving around of various sports to different, uh, you know, combining them all into these basically two seasons, putting everybody into two, I do think districts need to be cognizant of and keep their eye on the ball when it comes to Title IX and make sure that how these seasons are combined, that they are um, compliant with Title IX's requirements relative to equity and access for their female athletic teams as they design practice and and game schedules, something that will be more complicated uh, perhaps with squeezing the winter sports and fall sports and spring sports into two instead of three seasons. Just a, a quick side note. So elephant in the room Okay, season's been pushed off to start in December as of present, prior to the last several weeks and the the guidance from CIF and the state within the last week. Large swaths of districts and communities around the state had revved up workouts and summer activities uh, in a safe and socially distanced way, um, looking toward preparation for the fall season. Could you two just briefly address the the ambiguity which which remains at the present time as to whether or not the state guidance or lack thereof on this issue answers whether or not summer activities and workouts in this extended summer period are presently permitted under state guidance? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, we're getting you know we're getting um, I guess conflicting information. Some districts are, and CIF sections are looking to the county health guidance and um, following those in terms of allowing for the practices to go forward. Others, however, are reading the guidances saying that the practices are not permitted at this time. I think you hit the nail on the head exactly there. It really is the elephant in the room 
And I think that the best advice that we actually have is that we don't know for sure. Um, I think we're getting conflicting information from various entities throughout the state. And I think really what we've heard is everybody's waiting for the California Department of Public Health to clarify that. And we're not sure when that guidance will actually come out. And so in the meantime, I think local county health departments are left to really interpret that um, that guidance. And so it really sort of depends on what your county health department has said. We're aware that some counties have interpreted what the governor has said as we can't participate in any athletics at all, including conditioning. But then in other parts of the state, you know, we really are allowing all those things in a safe and effective manner. Yeah, I mean, you have some instances where a given section, was there 10 CIF sections in the state? Uh, yeah. Cer- certain sections are covering, well, almost all of them are covering multiple, multiple counties, some of which are going to be in a, in a dramatically different public health status in terms of the state's COVID uh, metrics and guidelines. And so as we wait, um, as we wait around the state for clear guidance from the California Department of Public Health, you have multiple entities within each section, including the local sections themselves and the counties within them, the county departments of public health within them, and then the school district within them as well, juggling whether or not the new metrics outline for distance learning and when that has to take place, how that interacts with CIF summer athletic activities. So I think while most of our listeners were perhaps staying on throughout this discussion to hear a, 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 a clear and definitive answer on that point, uh, the reality is is that that answer and clarity to it still has yet to be um, nailed down, and, and hopefully the state will act sooner rather than later as, as counties and districts around the state grapple with that issue. Ruth, Chelsea, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate the time. Any final or closing thoughts? on, on the, the, the recent CIF guidance issues of athletics, knowing that, like everything COVID-19, um, this could change and there could be new and, and different guidance within a week or two, and each local jurisdiction needs to be paying close attention to what their, their district, their county office of ed, their county department of public health is advising in this area. But uh, closing thoughts. Well, I'm um, encouraged by the fact that we've just postponed the seasons and um, – I'm glad that we've got, you know, some sports to look forward to and our students have some sports to look forward to also. I know some colleges are canceling the fall sports, so I'm uh, I'm encouraged by the fact that we've got uh, just a delayed season instead of a canceled season at this point. So that's encouraging. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. It, um, it gives all of our athletes, you know, some hope and something to look forward to. And I would just add that, you know, as soon as we do hear anything, if we get any definitive guidance, we will release that as soon as we know and get that information to you. Thanks, Chelsea. Thanks, Ruth. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Uh, In order to not miss any Lozano Smith podcast, go to our website and our podcast page. There you'll find a link to subscribe to our podcast. Uh, as COVID-19 impacted uh, not only us, but the work needed for for assisting our public entity clients around the state. We're now getting our podcast back on track and attempting to address those issues most directly related to COVID-19. Please also feel free to visit our webpage of COVID-19 resources. There you'll find links to state and federal agency guidance, 
uh, dating back to March to the, the present day on issues impacting schools and municipalities uh, with regard to COVID-19, as well as every client news brief we've issued on this subject. And we hope you join us again soon. Thanks and be safe. If you have any questions about this topic, please contact the hosts of this episode or an attorney at any of our eight offices throughout California. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the information contained in this podcast is necessarily general, its application to a particular set of facts and circumstances may vary. For this reason, this podcast does not constitute legal advice. We recommend that you consult with your counsel prior to acting on the information you heard.